This is what Vince's job is in the next three to six weeks would be to learn yep. to shotgun a six-pack of beers and learn the yep. Saskatchewan Rough Riders offense. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a fresh new edition of the Waggle. Games are back 2017 edition. Preseason is officially underway. My name is James Sabalski. David Sanchez on the other side of the country. He's in Montreal. I'm in Van City. So, Chessie, why don't we just kick this off right away? Uh, we've got a great show lined up. We're going to head to Regina and check in with Jamie Nye. Um, and Jamie Nye covers all things riders. Uh, you can also find him on CFL.ca, and he'll check in with the latest on the health and the current condition of Vince Young and what now. What does this all mean for the riders? Um, but, Chesie, you're down at Montreal Alouette's camp right now, and uh, what are you seeing, and what's the vibe like in Lennoxville, Quebec, home of the Bishop Gators? Yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, the team here is a, a sense of optimism and with the with the Cavus with the Reed and Jacques Chartelain era. But like we talk about, every team at this point of the season has a sense of optimism. Uh, the guys are flying around. The weather has not uh, not uh, helped helped the squad at all. It's been raining here for the last few days. A lot of unfortunately, a lot of hamstring pulls and 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 slight muscle pulls for a lot of guys, uh, which will be which will hold them out here in the first game against Toronto tomorrow. Uh, but uh, this is uh, it's been a pretty good camp, uh, and uh, you know all eyes on Darian Durant as as he looks to come here and be the be the save, savior for uh, football de Montreal. And, and anybody stand out for you so far from what you've seen, or or whether it's a veteran, whether it's a young guy, uh, what what jumps out for you so far in Montreal? Uh, the, the, from the veteran standpoint, uh, once again, the age, the ageless wonder of John Bowman, future Hall of Famer John Bowman. He's he's been uh, he's been outstanding. Everybody I talk to, from scouts to coaches to some of the younger players, they all go right to John Bowman. He's lost 20 pounds. He's looking fast. He's uh, he's dominating the one on ones. He looks really good. Also, Brian Simmons and Jovan Olafoyer. At the tackle spots, look pretty good. This O line, uh, they feel good. They um, they de- they're definitely going to be an improvement from last season. Um, they they to a man. They they've said that, and that's at, that's to be expected, of course. Um, but they look they look they look pretty good, and they have uh, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder. They're kind of you know guys. Now that Javon's here and, and Brian is here, the guys from uh, Hamilton and BC respectively add those guys to a to a group of some young guys in the mix of uh, you know. LBJ and the other guys is it's kind of a mixed max bunch uh, and they're pissed off about you know having you know their, their names got uh, splashed pretty hard last year with the amount of sacks they gave up and they have something to prove so uh, and they have a quarterback who they need to protect and it seems as though uh, you know the success of Darian will be the success of this team so they're they're uh, a bunch of proud guys who I expect to um, to have a pretty good season and I think for Alouette fans James uh, they need to we were uh, all basically holding, uh, keeping our fingers crossed, and uh, ho- you know, holding our breath with respect to the health of Darian Durant. How do things look for Darian a week later? It is obviously not as serious as uh, some might have initially thought, but uh, how's Darian so far? Darian's only practice. I think this would be his third day. 
because of the knee injury. He got rolled up on from behind. I spoke to him a bit about it yesterday. It was a scare for him. He, uh, you know, he essentially was uh, just getting out of the pocket and the guy rolled up on the back of his leg and uh, he ended up, uh, you know, he got an MRI and ended up being uh, being okay, thank goodness. Uh, but uh, he's looked okay out there. He's uh, He seems to have found a relationship. B.J. Cunningham, uh, wide receiver number 85, is, uh, you know, obviously B.J. Ha- had some success last year as well. But uh, he's looked really, really good. I think he's somebody who uh, I think if this team, obviously we know what Ernest, Ernest Jackson will do or can do. But I think if, if this team uh, wants to go uh, places that they're expected to go and really compete for – for this Eastern Division, I think B.J. Cunningham, in my opinion, is is the key. He's uh, he looks really good out there. To me, he's he's a number one type receiver guy. They could feed the ball to, and when he wants to play, uh, he's an NFL draft. He's got uh, he's got some big time skills. When he wants to play, he's as good as any. Uh, the knock on him was sometimes he he's uh, lackluster and takes takes some snaps off or some games off. But uh, when he wants to play, he can go. And T.J. Graham, who was a third round pick of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he's in camp and he can flat out fly. He's a burner, can stretch the field. He's going to make this football team. I'm fairly certain he was a, a track star at uh, uh, back in North Carolina. Played at North Carolina State uh, and, and had uh, five years in the National Football League. So look for T.J. Graham and 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 I expect B.J. Cunningham to have big years along with, uh, of course, Ernest Jackson and Thicky Nicky. But uh, this this core looks good and you know Terrell Sutton uh, led the league in rushing a couple of years ago. Expect. Expect Sutton to do what he does. If uh, if he's healthy, he's uh, he's one of the best when he's healthy. And remember, TJ stands for totally jacked. <laughs> yes, uh. it does. Yes, it does, James. Yes, it does. Um, hey, hey, let's uh, kind of the big news uh, to kick off this week as as preseason games get underway. But uh, Vince Young, who is uh, really kind of the the, the newsmakers, uh, one of the real key buzz man, uh, buzz names this off season and, and even into camp uh, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders limped off, hobbled off the field on Tuesday with an apparent hamstring injury. Chuck, I'll say this. I think this might be exactly what the organization and what Vince Young just might need, provided it's not a severe injury. Look, you know, you can, you can try to make the throws and you can try to go through the motions in camp, but this guy needs some time to marinate. Be around the football culture. The guy has not played pro ball in five years, let alone coming up to the Canadian Football League for the first time. It's a different field. It's a different motion. It's, everything is different about this game. And if you're looking at this guy as maybe being your heir apparent or your guy for the foreseeable future, maybe the idea of this guy being rested for a month or so where it, while he nurses and I use even nurse, if it's not a, a severe injury, uh, quote unquote, maybe this buys this guy some time and just, and let everybody maybe forget about him for a little bit while this guy can just go quietly unassuming work out and see if he can get a little more comfortable. And it gives him that time he needs to just, hey, this is what it's all about. This is what being a part of Rider Nation. Look, he was a Texas Longhorn, so he can understand the football craze, but just how we roll as Canadians, the lifestyle in Regina, I think all of it, I think this might buy him the most important thing he needs right now, and that's time. 
so you you want Vince to take some time on the sidelines, possibly possibly do a few ball, uh, what do you call them, beer keg handstands and crush a crush a most most Canadian on his head there, eh? Pilsner, 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 yeah, Pilsner, exactly. <laughs> learned learned just, a shotgun, a shotgun of beer. This is what Vince's job is in the next three to six weeks. Will be to learn yep. to shotgun a six pack of beers and learn the yep. Saskatchewan Rough Riders offense. <laughs> Hell yeah! I I just look. I, we talked about this before. I just didn't think it was realistic to expect much from this guy from the outset, just because the learning curve is going to be steep. It's been a while for this guy holding so, up, going through a playbook and, and being in the huddle. And this is exactly, you know what? Maybe this guy does figure it out. Everybody talks about the talent that this guy has, but it's just unrealistic at this point in time. Why does this, why this does guy injury to be pushing for a start? Why does, it, why does an injury and him being off the field and not getting the physical repetitions help him? Because it's allowing him the time to get comfortable and to just be in the room, to study the playbook, to Without get the familiar fresh, with what a you, CFL you know what, James, offense. You know what, James? I, I, now I, I can see what you're saying. And that does – you know what that will allow him to do? And I, I will agree with you that it takes – it does alleviate some of the pressure that he's endured in his time here, all these expectations and what you say and what we've talked about. Is a, as a short training camp in the in the CFL. Now at least yeah. he's heard the expectations aren't there. He has time to to assimilate himself to not only like you say the province and the city and his teammates, but also the playbooks without the pressure. So yes, I don't think it helps because now the the reps you will get. You need to take physical reps, but in the quarterbacks uh, quarterback situation, sometimes mental reps are are you know close to as good. So in that sense, I understand and. I think that either the time the time will definitely do him good. The time without throwing him to the wolves, uh, it's fair fair argument, James. Yeah, I, look, I mean to to go out and have those reps, but I think if if he has to sit down for a few weeks, Dave, I think he can come back and start throwing, and and he can just ease back into it, and then all of a sudden, the the coaching staff can kind of deem him ready on their schedule and on his, and to say. Okay, well, as opposed to looking at the schedule and saying, you know what, he's got to be ready to go by week one. Now it's like, hey, this guy's not where we want him to be, but we have hope for this guy and we have expectations for this guy and we want him part of our mix. So maybe we might look at week four or week five, dare I say, before we say, okay, we're going to activate him now and he's going to be on he's ready to play in a pinch where he's going to be a backup or whatever the case may be, but that might buy him a month. And exactly that. I, you, you said it yourself. How many guys that come in with pedigree that just come in and dominate right away in the CFL? Not a lot of guys. I mean, it doesn't happen that often and good players, players with names. How about Ocho Cinco? How did he do when he came to the league? Uh, Andre Risen. You know, here was a guy who was one of the best receivers in his day. Uh, was a non-factor, by and large, his time in the Canadian Football League. There's guys with names who've come up uh, and, and didn't have that sort of success. And I think people want to see Vince Young su- succeed. And I think, uh, you know what, by maybe just hitting the, hitting the brakes for a minute, and maybe this uh, there might be a silver lining. Nobody wants to see somebody get hurt, but I think this might be a silver lining to it, potentially anyway. Take, take a peek into the starting quarterbacks in the league today and the guys who are having a lot of success and have, have had success for a while. Those guys, all of them, for the most part, 
came in as backups. They 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 paid their dues. Uh, they held a clipboard. They learned they learned the system behind somebody else. And then when they got opportunity, they took over and had some success. So I think uh, to that to that point, if you want to look at track records and look at the history, if that gives you any sort of clue as to as to how to succeed and how to build a team, just look at just look at the Calgary Stampeders and look at the look at any anyone under Wally Buono over the last uh, yeah. last two decades, and you'll see the you'll see the floor plan on just just how to build build a team, but uh, in this case, build a good quarterback. And that's that's over time, and that's repetitions, and that's not putting someone uh, in the mix until they're ready. So that's uh, I think we I think we can all see that over history. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could pretty much. The entire league has pretty much been that way, right? If you if you look at it, uh, Jonathan Jennings was Jonathan Jennings was a backup. Travis Lule was a backup. Uh, Mike, Mike Riley, Riley was a backup. backup. Bo was a backup. Is a backup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maddie Nichols was a backup. I mean, look no Trevor further Her- than last Trevor Her- year. Trevor Harris was a backup. Zach Colaris was a backup. Zach Colaris, all, all of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Darian, yeah, all of them. It's uh, yeah. No, it's a good. It's a valid point, and and just maybe having a little bit of time to. To hold that clipboard may not be a bad thing. So uh, we'll wait and, and see and I, just on the severity. And, and, and in the meantime, I guess, I mean, is this, easy, is this easier for Kevin Glenn? I mean, not that I think there James, was much doubt that he was going to be the starter. but James, let me make a point not, here. Before we move into Kevin, I, I do want to make a point here on this before we move on. Is the, the re, This is a quick – the reason for that, let's not uh, – we'd be remiss to, to explain why it is in that league that, that this happens, that, that guys hold the clipboard – because the fact is, the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks we get in this league, they're all here. They're all in. They've all come here for a reason. They didn't. If they didn't make it down south, they had opportunity down, down opportunity down south. They had a reason why they they came here to need to work on something else that didn't didn't make them a first round pick in the National Football League. Because if there was a, a Peyton Manning was here or Michael Vick was here, he would come in. He would start from day one. So let's let's be we'd be remiss to not just bring up that fact. And that's that's the uh-huh. reason why it's not. I don't, and if you look at it. It just makes sense. It's, that's not. It's not that. Uh, it's not that. There's no one that can come in and play from day one. But to order to play day one, a quarterback is such a difficult position. You have to be an absolute phenom. And if you're an absolute phenom, you're Mike Vick, you're Peyton Manning, and, you know, and, th- and those type of guys. And those guys are are in the NFL right now. So that's that's why that situation. But moving on to to Kevin, I think I don't think it matters for Kevin. Uh, I don't. I think that Kevin's been. I think for most quarterbacks, if you get if you get tagged and and the coach, the coach taps you on the shoulder, and you get tagged as starter. And say, no matter what you do, you're going to be our guy. I think that alleviates a lot of pressure, and it, and it lets you know that it's your team, it's your huddle, and you feel comfortable. And I think that allows you to really grow within the offense. When it comes to Kevin Glenn, though, I think he's been, he's had someone nipping at his nipping at his heels for so long. I don't think that it it would uh, it would it would hurt him hurt him or bother him as much as it would most. But I don't think it could hurt for him to know. And we don't know the, the severity of Vince. I haven't heard reports yet. Uh, the severity severity of Vince's injury. He might be back on the field tomorrow, for all we know. But uh, yeah, I don't think it would matter for Kevin, just because he's he's been through this for so long. Like like no other, Kevin Glenn has been been there, done that. It won't affect KG. Well, and Kevin Glenn has certainly shown that he's been uh, he's been prone to step into. Every situation imaginable across the CFL, pretty much. So <laughs> he can, I'm yeah. sure he can handle the expectations. And and with a veteran, experienced receiving core too. Uh, you look at all that talent there. Uh, he's already got a rapport with with Deron Carter from last year in Montreal. So we'll see. 
Uh, if he can build on that with, you know, Chad Owens, Rob Bag, and the list goes on and on. So um, we'll see how it all kind of plays out here over the next little while as we inch closer and closer. Um, congratulations, by the way, to the city of Edmonton. Uh, they were named uh, the hosts of the 2018 Grey Cup. And uh, E-Town knows how to rep a good party consistently. Chez, uh, did you ever do a Grey Cup in, in Edmonton uh, that you partake? You, you, were, you know what? You participated I, have, in? I have not. No, I have never been there. So look look forward to that next year. They, uh, the City of Champions surely knows how to host a Grey Cup. So that's that's a city that uh, that we look forward to uh, to joining into the festivities for sure and well-deserved well for a good uh, good organization, a great organization, and it uh, should be fun. Well, you know, one of the one of the staples for I think a lot of CFL fans each and every year, uh, when you're on the road or wherever you visit, is the spirit of Edmonton. So when the spirit of Edmonton is actually in Edmonton, you can only imagine that it's going to be a good party, right? I would agree. When you're the home city, when you're the when the spirit is the spirit of Edmonton. The spirit so, of Edmonton is, is always a stop on any Grey Cup guest mm-hmm. list of to-dos in whatever city whatever yeah. city you may be in. The spirit yeah. of Edmonton is always uh, one of the places you must go. Yes. Yeah, I would, that, would make, I, that would only make sense, Seaball. Yes. I drink I drink spirits in Edmonton, so it's it's a win it's a win it's a win win. Uh so here we are week one preseason uh underway uh and as as we record this the uh the Lions and the Stamps uh played on Tuesday night. Here it is uh Wednesday as the show is dropping and so Bo Levi Mitchell didn't play uh, the night prior. Uh very limited time for for Travis and Jonathan Jennings. It's what is it like as a veteran for the first week of preseason here? Because, you know, as a fan, you're kind of like, okay, here we go. Everybody's getting back on the field. They've seen lots of hashtags. Is it June yet? Now it's, it's June. Everybody's jacked up. But then, you know, you're dressing the, the lineup and you're kind of going, who the hell are these guys? For the most part, Chez, it's, you know, even the, even the most loyal CFL fans are seeing a lot of names that, you may not be familiar with. So as a veteran, what's this week like? As a veteran, this week is uh, for me or for any of the, the veterans, uh, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm walking by a coach and trying to get eye contact the day before the game, uh, two days before the game. I'm just I'm looking to get eye contact to just get that head nod that he tells me, uh, Chez, uh, you're going to be staying. You're going to be staying home this week. And uh, that's that's what you're looking for as a veteran. You want that head nod to let you know that you're not – going to be participating in the game and all you want to do is eat sunflower seeds on the sidelines and watch and cheer for the young bucks to go out and make their mark uh, to make a football team and become professional so that's that's what i'm looking for i think all the vets uh, all the vets are, that's what they're looking for for the young bucks a whole nother a whole nother deal was that was that your was that your swag you'd wear sweats and just chew sunflower seeds yeah, no, no question, no question. I'll be make sure you're. Depends, you know what? There's, there's two. It depends what the weather was like, but the weather was usually really nice. So the only you only had two. You only had two jobs, and that was to make sure you had a a cup a cup full of sunflower seeds and and, the, and you brought your you brought your best sunglasses so you could enjoy the game and look up in the stands and and enjoy the the festivities going on. <laughs> That's it. Two See, jobs. I would. I, I, knowing you, you would have done this in style. You would have had trade. You would have probably had like fashion plate uh, designer track pants. I think to wear on the side on the sidelines too. That, <laughs> Actually, that, that would have been. 
I wore I always wore Adidas track pads on the sidelines, James. Oh, you conformed. Yes. What a team player. Well, just because they were the smoothest, they were the freshest. So I always wore what was, what was fresh, you know. But uh, yeah, but and they might they might be and shout out to our friends at Adidas. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Shout yeah, out to they, might, they might be a league sponsor. They might be pulling up with a, a small cube van of shoes for Davis for the upcoming 2017 season. Whoa. Brought to you by Adidas. Uh, so, Adidas. Um, we're going to get into uh, we're going to get into our twenty one questions as we continue uh, the third week of uh, the twenty one questions. So before you drop the theme, uh, I do want to give everybody a heads up. Uh, want to know who the players think are the most dominant receivers, toughest players, and biggest trash talkers for a third straight season? Players weigh in on CFL.ca's exclusive video series. Best in the league. Now expanded to 12 episodes. Best in the league polled the CFL's brightest stars on a number of categories, including best quarterback, most underrated player, best trash talker, and so many, many more. In the sixth episode, the stars are asked which player in the CFL is the most underrated. Catch up on all the episodes at cfl.ca slash B-I-T-L, which is short for best in the league just as they would vote what would be your favorite podcast in the cfl it would be the waggle obviously right obvi all right jazz you got your singing voice on 21 questions ready to do this i'm taking a week off i'm taking a week off i'm waking a week off i'm taking a week off of singing i'm taking a week off i've i've gotten I've gotten too I've gotten too many requests for uh, people been sliding in my DM, James, and asking asking me to sing to them and and all that. And it's getting really awkward. And I just you know what I want to stick to football and stick to what we're here for, James, and that's football. All this corny acting, singing stuff. I mean, I don't like it. I don't like the harassment. I don't like. I'm not I'm not ready to be a singing star yet. I want to talk football. Okay. So I'd like, I'm gonna I'd like to skip it if we could. Okay, fair enough. Uh, now, as we enter this week's edition, uh, just kind of looking back on some of last week's yeah. questions and discussions. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Did you now? Did you did you hear back? Did you get any feedback on social media or uh, people messaging you with respect to some of the uh, some of the issues and some of the uh, some of the takes that you had with respect to? Oh uh, my goodness! Ranking? Oh my goodness! You, Can I make? It? Let's let's get right to it. I, we love the banter. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it's about. It's about the banter. Mm-hmm. I loved the responses I got when we talked about it, the discussion last week. One of the discussions we had was talking about the secondaries and hey, we're talking, we're giving our opinions and and I, and when we have an opinion, we're going to give it. That's what that's what we're here to do and. I looked at the Lions secondary and I made a comment about the Lions potentially having the best group in the league because of their versatility and the depth they have. And I, I, I believe that they have so many guys that can do different things. They have the potential to be one of the best groups or the best group in the league. Potential is just that it's potential. Uh, like I, like I've said many a times, potential can get you fired too, but, but potential they do have. And I've gotten, I've gotten uh, four. I got four coaches message me, and I have four defensive coaches message me, and I have I don't know how many players message me, defensive backs. But I complaining about that comment. Now there are some other good groups in the league. Yes, definitely. And and the Calgary Stampeders have have got to be. You know they were at the top of the top of the heap last year, and and along with uh, the Grey Cup champions after that lockdown performance that they called out that they promised to do 
in the Grey Cup, the Ottawa Red Blacks. So those two groups also also have to be up there, and you know, and because of their performance. But they've they've lost Ottawa lost some guys, and and you know they they've also reloaded. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're up there at the top again because they have a they have a great coaching staff and some talented players. And then and then in Calgary as well. And then when we have Winnipeg who creates thirty something turnovers. To not throw them in the conversation is completely foolish as well, and that's a good group. I like I like that core back there as well. So, I, I mean, and then we talk about the you know we mentioned Hamilton as well, which uh, you know that was in the conversation. But I, I think that those other three I think are at the top of my list right now. But mm-hmm. goodness gracious, did we get a backlash, Seaball? Well, why why don't we just throw in uh, why don't we just throw in Toronto nope. and Montreal nope. and uh, I'm here, we can I'm throw here, in I'm Saskatchewan. I'm here. If you think I'm a homer, let's let's do this. Let's just let's just throw it out. This way we keep everybody happy. No, I'm not. I don't need. I don't need to keep everybody happy. The most democratic podcast. Sabalski, I have a job. I don't need to keep anybody happy. I I don't care. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this to be factual. I love I love what we're doing, but I'm going to spit the truth until they ban until they ban me from every stadium in here. But I will say this. I try. We try to be fair, right? We try to be fair. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here in Montreal and. And I think this this they have some good young DBs. I'm not putting them near the near the mix of the top top in the league. It's not I'm not it's not happening. Toronto, nope, it's not happening. Uh, so no, we're not putting Edmonton, nope, it's not happening. So no, I'm not willing to put all these teams up there. Doesn't mean they can't they can't get better and they can't be up there later on. But right now in the preseason 2017, uh, those are the three the three teams right now that I put up at the top are the are the BC the Calgary the Ottawa and the BC in no particular order probably have to give the nod to the teams who have already been there, which is which is the Ottawa's and the Calgary's. And then right below them, because of the Abdul Kane acquisition, uh, I would I would at least give them a honorable mention, though I don't think the group as a whole is up there with with the others as of yet, but we'll see. So uh You yeah. got you got Ottawa up there that high despite taking all those losses on the uh, free agency and, 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 and signings? You, I will I will tell you I will tell you why I I, I have a good relation with with uh, some some people out there that watch that follow very closely, and I have a, a confidant uh, a confidant who is in the league who has talked to me about uh, just about uh, the guys who are, they have coming in to fill. Plus, you don't forget Gavin's Gavin. They still have uh, three guys that, that are back from last year, so they're not they're not completely decimated. And the the guys that are coming in to replace people are very very high on, extremely high on, and. And so I and, and my sources who have been watching and, and know who's coming in have have said there will not be any drop off. So when you hear things like that from someone I really trust uh, and, and I know their secondary, their secondary coach is, is, is one of the best as Ike Charlton, who is one of the best. And Rick yeah, Campbell. Rick Campbell's a DB guy, too. Their head coach is a DB coach, has a DB coach background his whole life. He's been in DB coach. He was actually my DB coach in college at the University of Oregon back in the 70s or whenever I played. But Rick Campbell is a defensive back guy, too. So they're going to always have good defensive backs with, uh, with, you know, Ike, with Ike back there, who was a hell of a player himself, and Rick Campbell. So they're, they're, uh, that's why I, I believe in them. But you know what, James? We have to see it to believe it, and we'll, we'll, revisit, uh, we'll revisit all this stuff after a few weeks of the season and just see – uh, you know how good people, how good the secondaries are looking. And would they, uh, would they all look at you and basically say, "Get up on them, get, get up, on, up them. on them"? Well, Chris, Chris, Chris Jones' secondary it would be hard. It would be hard for them to ever be in my top, my top of the list because they're playing 
cover zero, cover zero, a hundred out of a hundred and one times. So they're just going to get lit up. Their defensive line might be good because Chris is going to send. Chris is going to send 14 people when he only has 12. He's still going to send 14. So I, 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 uh, it's hard for me to put those guys up there, but they, they got some cover yeah. guys too. Here we go for this week. Uh, Chezzy, which team has improved themselves if the I most over the off season to now? Love me? If I fell off tomorrow, would you still love me? If I didn't smell so good, would you still hug me? So I said I wasn't going to sing, didn't I? <laughs> I, I sung it. That, no. That's, for those of you who don't know, that's part of 21 questions. I'm not just saying yeah. it. All right. All right. I got excited. Sorry. Go ahead. See ball. Okay. Which team has improved themselves the most over the course of the offseason up until now? Go ahead, James. Talk to me. Who do you, who do you got? Let's hear it. I'm going to say Montreal. I'm going to say Montreal where you are right now. I, I just think that this is a team that had a pretty good defense last year, not just a pretty good defense. They had a very good defense last year. And although there've been a couple of hits on it, you, uh, you added uh, an all-star tackle. You added an all-star caliber quarterback. You've added an all-star receiver. Uh, you've, you've brought in, some you brought in some legitimate talent to improve things significantly on the offensive side of the football to try to meet a defense that was all world last year i think even if there's a little drop off defensively i think the offense will be significantly improved i think i look at you know i i would make a case for the toronto argonauts based on landing mark tressman and jim pop but i think they still had a pretty good coach last year in scott milanovich and that was a team that just struggled collectively. So um, I'm going to say Montreal is the team that did themselves the most favors. I think Saskatchewan did a lot, adding a ton of great individual talent. Uh, we'll see how that translates as a team. But I'm going to go with the Montreal Alouettes. I think they did themselves the most favors. And based on that division, they just might give themselves a chance to really contend to come out of the East this year, if they can stay healthy. Montreal, I think if you if you go to the pieces that were added, I think I agree. Montreal may have may have uh, may have done the best job of adding pieces. The problem is they just lost. In the, you know, in the last few months they lost some key parts. So I'm I can't I wouldn't put Montreal there, but I I would put them up at the top of the heap. Uh, I think Cavis has done a great job of uh, of uh, setting this roster, and I think giving themselves an opportunity to be in the hunt of the East. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out to Saski. I'm going to go out to Regina and the riders. I think that, you know, I mean, Derek Dennis, Derek Dennis and, and Deron Carter, I think for me are the big ones. Those are, those are, whenever you add two guys who are arguably the best guys, arguably the best guys in the league at their positions or could be, uh, and Deron the most dynamic maybe. And uh, along with Chris Williams in regards to just, the ability to big play ability. I think Adarius Bowman is still the best receiver in this league. Men lie, women lie, but Adarius Bowman's don't. Adarius Bowman's numbers don't. What's that? What do you call what? What, what do you call it? Uh, strike the band ability? Oh, he had, yeah, he, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Deron Carter definitely has strike the band ability. But, uh, but yeah, I think those with those guys, I think that's, that's, a, that's a good signing and, and, you know what? An underrated signing, Seaball, is is Glenn Love uh, from from Calgary. Now, Glenn Love is a is a tall, rangy, athletic linebacker from UCLA who is uh, kind of under the radar a bit. Uh, those in those in CFL circles and personnel types, they know who Glenn Love is, um, and he's a he's a guy who is a is a real player, and I think will will do a great job. 
for the Riders. He's uh, they wanted to keep him there in Calgary. They just couldn't. Uh, they just couldn't pony up, pony up the money. He was you know playing a backup role, but someone they definitely had plans for. And he's a he's a heck of a football player as well. So so I think you know they just made some some good moves. And uh, Kenny LaFrance is a, is a good move as well. I don't know how he'll fit in. Chad Owens could possibly be a guy that gets in rotation. They're just so deep at receiver. I don't even know. Uh, if I could call that one of their major signings, just not Chad's a, a heck of a player, but they're just so deep there that I'm not sure he will he will be in the lineup. It just depends on you know what's happening with their with their team. But I like I like what they've done out there, and and uh, you know Naaman Roosevelt is an absolute monster, and uh, and their receiving core is already darn good. So uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with those fellows over there, and uh, Vince Young the, Vince Young's not a bad. Uh, addition too. We don't know how much he'll play and what his what his role will be, but if he has any semblance of of the hook'em horns, Vince Young, uh, they've uh, they've got a quite they've got quite the find there. Uh, not the NFL Vince Young, but the the the, the college Vince Young from eleven years hey, ago. Did you? Right? Did, well, is there is there other is there another <laughs> is there another uh, is there another Pro Bowl Pro Bowl quarterback that's on a CFL roster right now that I'm not knowing about? It's his not is his NFL. Uh, pedigree not good enough, Seabal. Uh, oh, you know, you, my my you know my two, down two. right now. Yeah. Uh, my, 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 sorry, you know my internet's down. I'll have to I'll have to check later. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think I think the one thing, and I think Saskatchewan's a great comparable to Montreal in terms of adding all this talent uh, and this wave of talent that they brought in. My only issue, I wonder, with both these teams. Uh, it's it's the familiarity, and I wonder if those, these two teams might struggle out of the gate just because they brought in so many different players, uh, a lot of veteran players, guys who can step in, and guys who, who who you know are familiar with the game and and offenses and defenses and all of it. But do you not think that you know chemistry might be a bit of an issue to to get everybody on the same page for both those teams to start the year? In Montreal. I- I would, I would, I would, uh, patience is, I think is something I would stress of major importance in Montreal to start the season off, especially, well, I would even just say on offense, but especially on offense, because offense takes, takes longer, uh, to, to gel generally than defenses do. So I would, I would take, I would stress patience in Montreal because like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of new faces here and a new quarterback and a new system. So I would I would stress patience here. I think in Saskatchewan, a little bit different. Uh, Kevin, you know Kevin's uh, Kevin knows the knows the system. Kevin will be comfortable. He's a vet, and the receivers have, have most of them have been there uh, for for a good period of time, or a good chunk of them have been there for a for a good period of time. But uh, yeah, I mean it's, that's always you know continuity is always uh, is always a key player, and especially at the beginning of the season, and that's why you know we're quick to jump on and give love to these teams that make big acquisitions, you know, the Montreal's, we want to put them in the, in the race for, you know, a team that's could possibly contend for the East. And we, we kind of, we kind of forget about Ottawa and the fact that, you know, they have a lot of guys who have played together for a long time and had, and more importantly, had some success and some sustained success. So we forget about just the importance of that. But uh, I think we, I keep that in mind and try to remind myself when I get all excited about it, the, the glitz and the glamour of uh, of new of new shiny toys and free agents. All right, moving on to the next one. Is the Mike Riley James Franklin quarterback tandem in Edmonton? Is it Chez a situation? Uh, situation. It's it's a great situation to have. Uh, you know, if 
I don't think we've seen a big enough sample size in in James Franklin to to necessarily to necessarily say there's a controversy or or he's the next uh, he's the next great one. But I do think that you know there's been there's flashes that have have shown that that James Franklin is is a, a quarterback to be reckoned with, and he's someone that that people seem to think has a bright future. And I'm I'm one of those. He's yeah, he's looked good. His his sample size out there. He's looked extremely good. He's got a great college career, which is every quarterback up here has had a great college career. But he's uh, he's also a guy that's well liked by his teammates. He's uh, he seems to get it. He seems to work hard, and he seems to show when he's out there. He's prepared. He seems to know the offense, and he's had some success. So I think that uh, I think that it's a good situation to have. I, I do I do think this is a you know. It's a conversation that I've heard, and I think you know. I don't even know if I've heard it. I've I've brought it up to be totally honest, or we've brought it up and talked about it, and that's the fact of. And I think we were just doing it uh, initially. We were having the conversation just to kind of, just to have a conversation. I think you might have thrown it out there, uh, but it was it was kind of a, you know what? Is there any possible? You did throw it out there, and your, the question was, is there any possible way that that they would that they would consider trading Mike Riley and, and keeping James Franklin. And, and I, the way I look at this, the way I look at this is I know people are going to go crazy and I might, we, we might get more emails, but it's, it's a conversation folks. It's not a, it's not saying this is going to happen tomorrow, but I would, I would go as far as saying it's, it's, it's not inconceivable uh, for something like this to happen. Uh, James Franklin, if you believe, and I, I here's how I see this, and it's not. I don't think it's going to happen, folks. But I, I say that if you believe that James Franklin's your future, he's a free agent after this season. He's seven years younger than Mike Riley, and he's the, and Mike Riley has a propensity to get hurt. Mike Riley's a great quarterback, maybe the best in the league, one of the top three in the league. He is has a propensity to get hurt. He plays he plays recklessly. He plays with his, he plays a he's a tough guy and he's not going to play any differently. And like you play like that, you're going to get hurt. And that's just the way it is. But he's going to also win a lot of football games because that's what Mike Riley does. But he if you actually if you're if you believe that James Franklin is the future of your team, it's not inconceivable to think about saying because you can't sign the boat. James Franklin is going to demand at the end of this season. And I'm sorry, Brock Sunderland, you're a friend of mine. I'm sorry, but James Franklin is going to demand starting quarterback money at the end of this season. I promise you that. Everybody knows that. Whatever, my, whatever Matt Nichols ended up getting last year, James Franklin will get that without a sample size, without a nearer sample size. I promise you that. And because of that, you either commit to him or Mike. And because of the age difference, it's a possibility that you do it. Because if you let him go and he goes somewhere else, and now you have a you know, a 33 or 34 year old Mike Riley. And now you have an older quarterback. Whereas if you, if you keep James Franklin, now you have a 25 year old, 26 year old quarterback. So I can see it happening. Would I do it? You have to have some pretty big kahunas, Brock Sunderland to pull off that move. Like you do that move and it doesn't work out. You're gone. You're fired. You're, you're, uh, you're on a canoe somewhere. You're, you're, you're trying to get a foursome. You and Ed Herbie are trying to get a foursome somewhere in, in Palm Desert. It's not a situation yet. And, and I'm with you on and that. And the foursome, one. I meant golf, by the way, just to clear that up. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not a situation yet, and I, I'm I'm kind of with you on this one, where I think if Mike Riley were to go down at some point, is this blasphemy? James? And, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is this blasphemy? What we're saying? Are we, no, we know. We and, totally and we're talking about. Yeah, no, because it's it's a total hypothetical, and this is why we're having the discussion. Okay. But. Everybody seems to salivate over the abilities that James Franklin boasts. 
And I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that if, if, if we look at a scenario where we get another sort of Lou Gehrig, Wally Pip, when, you know, the infamous story going back almost a hundred years now, where Wally Pip, who was the New York Yankees first baseman back in the 1920s. And one day Wally Pip just wasn't quite feeling well and just kind of, eh, you know what? I don't think I can really get out there and play today. Well, this unknown rookie by the name of Lou Gehrig uh, all of a sudden got the call to play at first. And the rest, as they say, is history. When he went on to initially set baseball's Ironman mark, he became one of the greatest players in baseball history and so good that, you know, he even had an illness named after him. I, and I, I say that in jest, but, I mean, Lou Gehrig was one of the most iconic, uh, you know, sporting figures, you know, of the 1900s, so... Uh, you know, I, I'm not to say that James Franklin's going to come out and, and become the next Lou Gehrig, but James Franklin has that has that ability, and I and I think Edmonton doesn't want to lose this guy for nothing. And now you're looking at these two assets, but I think if you're in a scenario where James Franklin shows by the end of this season that this guy is more than capable of stepping in beyond the sample size that we've seen right now, Chesie, I think you legitimately have to take a long, hard look and think about where you're at in this league. And nobody is better at making those tough decisions. Uh, and we've seen in, in the history of the Canadian Football League than, than Wally Buono, right? Making that tough decision to just say, hey, you know what? I'm, you know, a better brother selling guy. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say Brock Sunderland. I believe the only thing that Brock's decided on so far was what to eat during training camps. I was, I was wondering where you're getting that sample, that sample from. But I just I, I do I do wonder that if all of a sudden you look at a guy who's in his mid twenties comparatively to a guy who's in his early thirties and you know by football standards and by today's athlete standards Mike's still a young guy but if you've got an opportunity to maybe go in a different direction uh, from a price standpoint from uh, a long term future standpoint no price I think you definitely James. have to you have to, no discounts you, you, you do I have promise to promise you that no discounts you yeah discount and and, and and here's and here's another thing to think about because at the end of this year i think toronto will in all likelihood look to address their quarterback situation no matter what happens this year in 2017 and boy wouldn't they love to get their hands on say a guy like mike riley who could legitimately make them an instant contender with a with a head coach like mark trestman i mean imagine mark trestman having a guy like mike riley still in his prime right so i mean it's all spitballing here right now or or dare i say chris jones and what would what would that scenario look like potentially in saskatchewan to go work uh, to work with mike riley once again so I mean, there's obviously been success with those two uh, from a head coach and, and a quarterback standpoint. So I think there'd be no shortage of suitors for a guy like Mike Riley, but it all comes down to whether it comes down to James Franklin, right? I mean, ultimately, it comes down to James Franklin to show that he is the real deal that we, we speculate and forcing us, not forcing us, but giving us the reason to have this conversation. So is it a situation? Not yet. But yet is the optimal word, depending on, I guess, health and whether or not he can show that he's got that, dare I say, strike the band ability once again. Strike the band ability. Yep. Agreed. Okay. All right. Number three. Uh, This is a fun one for you, Chesie, because you're watching all these camps right now. You're in Montreal. You were just in Toronto a few days ago as well. 
okay, so training camp practice sessions. If you had a say in the schedule, what would you prefer on these double days for training camp? Okay, option one: Would you rather go back to back practices? So, for example, you'd have practice one say from 10 a.m. till noon. Then you get a 30-minute break to kind of go to the washroom, maybe grab some Gatorade and grab a quick snack, and then get back onto the field for practice number two, going from 12:30 to 2:30. So basically, you're on the practice field for 10 for for four and a half hours with one half-hour break. Uh, or would you prefer option two, where you have your first practice from say again 10 a.m. to noon, you get a three-hour break in between, so you can have a rest, you can have a full meal, you can relax, kind of lick your wounds, and then you get back onto the practice field for the second practice going from three to five. So you have a nice gap in between the two practices, uh, but you're, you know, you're, you're, the first one is that from 10 a.m. till noon, nice big three-hour window to relax, freshen up, and then you're back onto the field from three to five, and you go do it again. For me, Chez, in my opinion, yeah. I would say this would be a no-brainer, and I would go back to back. I'd rather get it. I'd rather get it done and get it out of the way, and then you've got the day to move on and deal with your day. And I, I, I to me, I would feel like that lull in between mm-hmm. those three hours. I would feel like that would be agonizing because I know for me, like from a human nature standpoint, mm-hmm. when I have downtime after exercising or doing something like I don't want to get up again. Right. You know what I mean? Like I am comfortable. It's like the idea of three hours later, having to do that all over again would seem incredibly daunting <laughs> to me. So I would rather, I, for that, and that's just how I'm wired, but I would sooner take the back to back. Well, this is, this is a trend. And the reason why this, this question comes up is, um, is that, it used to be. It used to be that all teams in 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 uh, in football they always did the double days, and the double days consisted of a morning practice and a late afternoon practice. And just in the last decade here, teams have now started to to go with that back to back. So the first time the first time that I I had that introduced to me was Coach Trestman did that with the the 15 minutes. Let's get a let's get a, a banana and some and some Gatorade in you, and let's. Uh, and let's get back going. And and so I loved it. And I thought that that was, it was great. People have. And so I reached out to a couple of different guys and asked a few different guys, you know, what their opinions of this were. And, and, uh, and Gabriel Napton had something funny. And, and he, what he told me, he Napton does not like the back to backs. He likes to, he doesn't like to be on his feet that long, but what he, but when he doesn't go home and have a nap, what he'll do is he does the, he does the 20 minute, the 20 minute power nap things. And then he goes right back to the field. So he eats his lunch, and he has a 20-minute power nap, and then he goes to the field over an hour before practice is supposed to start. And I said, "Well, what? That kind of defeats the purpose. You're supposed to. The whole point is to get to get off your feet and be and to relax." And he and he says, kind of to what you're saying, that well, that to him, he needs to keep going. If he takes a nap, he won't be able to get up and get moving again. So he gets there way early, cuts the cuts the nap off, does a 20-minute power nap that have become ever so popular these days and and he gets going that way um john bowman john bowman talked about it and he says that he he cannot he doesn't like to do the back-to-backs uh, bowman likes to do the double days and he, he doesn't like to be on his feet for five hours and that was that is one of the problems uh 
you, know, you look at this schedule and you think right away, oh, yeah, I want the, I want the back-to-back. Right? You want to get over with. You want to be done with it. But in the way I look at it and the way I've seen it, it's fair to, it's fair to think this way is imagine the, the, the preparation. This is what John spoke of, is the preparation you have to have mentally to know that you're going to be on that field for five hours. And that's a long time to be on the field. Even though you have the break and you're done the rest of the day, you're on the field for almost five hours. And that's a long time. And he said, John talked about, and him, John's been in this league a long time. He said, you know what, just to, just to build up that, that mental strength to be out in that field for five hours is difficult, at least with the, with, the, with the back-to-backs. You know you bust out your two hours, you get through it. Then you go put your feet up, you have a nap, you play cards with your friends, you watch some film, you watch a movie, you call your wife, your girlfriend, you, whatever you do. And so I can see both sides of it. Uh, another good one here we had was uh, was um, Andrew Harris. Andrew Harris definitely was was a was a back to backer. Jamal Westerman he talked about hating hating the back to back practices uh, in the morning. In the morning he says he wakes up and he can't stand the back to back practices. Um, he likes to take his naps like, a, like he said he used to take naps when he was a kid. So he likes he likes those naps because he like when he was a kid. Uh, but in the back to backs he talked about the fact that after practice you're happy as heck because you know that the physical part of your day is finished. And and a reminder that when you do the back-to-backs, yes, you're done for the rest of the day in regards to practice, but you can't go you can't go golfing. You're not done. You don't get the rest of the day off. All that all that assures you of is the physical part of the day is done. The meeting with Tress, we had meetings all rest of the day. We could go, we're done back-to-backs, but then we'd have a walkthrough or we'd have a meeting, then we'd have lunch, then we'd have another meeting. So you're still there. There's no off time. It's just not the physical part of your day is done. And uh, yeah, for an old guy, you don't have to get warmed up again. That's that's the the biggest issue. So what do you? What would you prefer? I prefer I prefer I prefer the back to back. Yeah, simply of because course you warm, do. Well, no, I'll tell you what. I, I like the back to back. When I was older, especially, and I was only introduced to it as a veteran. But I like the back to back better because when you're an older guy, and this is what, what, what Napton and, and uh, Bowman Bowman especially talked about, is that you. It, to get loose again is really, really difficult. So, like, going out in the field and having to – and that's why Nap would say he just goes an hour early and just kind of jogs around and hangs around and whatever, plays soccer or hangs out on the field and does whatever to stay loose. Because if you if you get up as a 30-year-old and you go out there and you try to try to get loose again after having a practice, after day six or seven and double days, it's uh, it's it's like trying to push a Jeep up a hill. It's it's not it's not an easy time. So, so uh, that's, why, that's why I think those are uh, better for the – for the, I think for everyone likes so nowadays, but definitely a good question uh, because it's become a trend now to, to have those uh, back-to-backs versus the double day. Get it out of the way. Get it done. Get, Get up on them, David. <laughs> uh, okay, last one, and uh, let's let's stick with the Alouettes theme here because you're in Montreal. But Jacques Chapdelaine, old Jacques, has been known oh, as. Uh, oh, Chapdelaine, Chapdelaine. Um, so when he was an OC, uh, he he's was not often actually here. known Sorry, as just, he's uh, not here. Jacques, not, Jacques not here, uh, by the way, at camp. He's not. Okay. He, he has not been here for the last three days. I think I don't know if the re- it's not it hasn't come out yet the report, but he is actually on Crescent Street. He's got a booth reserved for the Grand Prix, so he's actually sitting there holding the booth down, and he's uh, he's had three hundred and sixty-two. Uh, beers and uh, yes, he's he's holding down. He's got a great spot uh, on the patio somewhere. He's holding that spot down 
uh, for a few more uh, weeks here or a week for the Grand Prix. Oh, the my Grand God. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> just a good here. time. Um, so when he was known as an offensive coordinator or F1 aficionado, he, uh, he was often the guy who would go with a heavy dose of running the football, uh, you know, when he was in Saskatchewan, they actually led the league in rushing. So will Coach Chapdelaine continue this trend with the likes of a Tyrell Sutton or – with the fact that now he's got Darian Durant and he's got guys like Ernest Jackson and Nick Lewis to throw to, um, does he does he go more of an does he go with more of an Air Force One type play or does he continue the ground and pound? I, see, I, I think I just don't know if this team until they get that run game established, I think they're going to have no choice but to go with the aerial attack for a guy like Darian and, and EJ. I mean, that's where you, this is where you clearly invested in here as a football team, uh, Chaz. I, I, I think it's hard not to think that this team's going to be more pass happy. Even if, even if he wants to go with the ground and pound, I think he's ultimately going to be, this is going to be more of a passing first offense. I, I think ultimately, and just the way that, you look at the way the other teams are, in the, especially in the East Division. I mean, they're all kind of pass happy. I mean, Ottawa, look at their receiving core. Uh, look at Hamilton with Zach Caleros. I mean, that's not, that's not a running team. Like, you know, I think you're going to have to be able to score, and you're going to have to be able to score in bunches, especially in this league, especially when you look in the West as well. So I think Jacques going to have no choice but to try to, you know, to punch it in from the sky. The scouting report on Jacques Chapelaine and the offenses he's had in the past would would let you know that he's going to run the football, and that's what he's going to do. And last year was no different. When he came in, they ran the football. But they ran the football more than most, more than most. But the reason they ran the football so much, that was out of necessity. Their defense, they had struggles at quarterback. They had young quarterbacks. Kevin wasn't having a ton of success. They struggled. Their offensive system was was new. They struggled. They did it out of necessity. They had a really good defense that was keeping them in football games. Stephen Logan was was returning the heck out the ball, and that was their only chance to win. That was the formula that they they had brought that gave them any sort of chance to win football games. Now I think they're in a different situation. That defense is not going to be as much as uh, as much as Noel Thorpe is is you know uh, a great defensive coordinator, and as much as you know Kyrie and Bowman and Cox and uh, all these guys who who have faith in, in what they can do as much as these guys believe there's not going to be a drop-off or there can't be a drop-off, there's going to be a drop-off. And so they're going to need to, in order to keep up with the rest of the team in the East, especially, especially they're going to, I agree with you, Seaball, they're going to have to throw the ball around the park. That's just the, that's just the fact of it. So Darian, get your money. You got paid a ton of money. Now go earn it. Slang that. Ernest Jackson, you as well. Go earn that money. They have to slang the ball around the park to keep up with the other teams. Other teams are going to score at least initially on this defense. They got to they got to put up points and they have to throw the ball to do it. I'm with you. Uh, there, there you go. Ain't nothing to it. So there you go. Now we've uh, three weeks down. Two more weeks to go with our 21 questions, uh, and it's all happening. Uh, by the way, if you have a question for us, you can always find us. Uh, you can email us thewaggle at cfl.ca. Thewaggle at cfl.ca is where you can find us. We're not even close to being done. Special guest time uh, just around the corner here. Uh, coming up in a moment, we go to Regina and check in with Jamie Nye on what's happening in Ryderville and why you need to be playing fantasy football CFL style. We'll explain in moments.
All right, let's head to Regina and check in with the man, the myth, the legend. He is the host of the Green Zone on 980 CJME, a rider's authority if there ever was. Jamie Nye. Jamie, welcome to the Waggle. Finally, long overdue. I'm sorry it's taken so long. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to make the debut. Yes. Um, let's jump right into this. Uh, Vince Young hobbling off on Tuesday uh, with, what, a hamstring injury? or how, how bad, how big a deal is this right now in Rider Nation? Well, that's what Chris Jones described it as today was a hamstring injury. Nobody knows the severity yet as uh, Jones hadn't even talked to uh, doctors when he updated reporters. Uh, uh, so uh, we don't know yet, but it is a, another setback. Uh, Vince Young at the mock game in Saskatoon on Saturday. Uh, I was there. He didn't look that great. Uh, looked like there was still some rust on his game. Def- definitely trying to adapt to the CFL and now a hamstring injury. And, and you know, James, from any sport, you get a hamstring injury, and these things should last a whole year for somebody struggling with one, or it's a it's a week or two or day-to-day, and uh, it heals up. So it's just about whether or not and how severe this injury is for Vince Young. But it's uh, now up in the air, a question mark, whether he'll be able to play in Saturday's preseason game against Winnipeg. Yeah, it's the old cliche, right? Until you know, you don't know. And so I guess it's just a wait and see. But, you know, tell me this. Look, I think for a lot of people that had, you know, the eyes on the prize and seeing the name Vince Young, a lot of people are lured by that name. But I don't know if it was realistic to have much in the way of expectations from this guy when he hasn't played in five years. So, I mean, is this maybe uh, is this quietly or maybe a, a silver lining, a best case scenario for Vince where maybe he has a little more time to to try to marinate in the CFL world? It'll be interesting. I know Chris Jones would wants to see him in a preseason game to really evaluate him in game action because it looks like Kevin Glenn is going to be the starter and who knows how long he'll have the ball for with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But with, with Vince Young, uh, that there is that angle to it. Uh, I've talked about it today with a few people, which is, okay, maybe now you can add him to the six-game injured list to start the season and let him marinate. Let him be in the QB room. Let him watch film. Let him sit in the press box and watch how defenses line up in the CFL and game action and some of the things he can watch for before he gets back to the practice field and it may also allow them to bring in another quarterback or keep another quarterback around who may have had to be cut if Vince Young stayed on the roster. But uh, this is all speculation, of course, because who knows, with a hamstring injury, he could be back in two days and ready to go, or this is something that uh, puts him on the six-game injured list, or the ultimate could be Chris Jones just hasn't seen enough and uh, ends ends the chapter of Vince Young in Saskatchewan. No, look, nobody wants to see injury in, in any way, shape, or form. But quietly, could you say? Uh, I mean, beyond uh, maybe taking a little heat off of uh, Kevin Glenn if there was any, but could you could you maybe say what a break for Brandon Bridge? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I think. Uh, when you you look at Brandon Bridge, he's it looks right now because Brian Bennett, the quarterback they got off the Winnipeg practice roster mm-hmm. in December, he he's come in and looked very impressive in training camp and at that mock game was uh, the best quarterback uh, of the bunch. Uh, Kevin Glenn only had about five or six snaps in that game, but Vince Young and Brandon Bridge look like they were challenging for the three position right now in Saskatchewan and. Uh, of course, when Vince Young leaves the field, I think Brandon Bridge looks around and goes, okay, now now here's my chance to get some increased reps and maybe start to outpace Vince for the number three position. 
What's the expectation there anyway right now for in, in Rider Nation? I mean, the Riders are coming off, uh, you know, look, they were one of the they were one of the weaker teams in the league last year, and it's been a transitional time. But, look, there's been some significant personnel upgrades, both defensively and offensively. I mean, you look at the lines been bolstered through the draft, and they signed Derek Dennis and the receiving core. I mean, where to begin? Chad Owens, Deron Carter. I mean, even if it's Kevin Glenn, the guy, and, and look, I get that Kevin's a, a polarizing sort of player and, and a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde sort of guy in the Canadian Football League, but, you know, he's got some talent around him, so... What's the expectation this year in Saskatchewan? I've talked to a, a lot of people around, just fans, to get what What do you think? What, what, what do you want to see from this team? And I, I, some people say, well, they'll probably win only seven games because the West is still so strong. And you look at the quarterback uh, play around the West, and you have Jennings, Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Matt Nichols in Winnipeg. So, that's going to be tough to try to leapfrog one of those teams. So some fans say seven, eight, nine wins in there. Nobody's expecting this team to challenge with the Calgary Stampeders for first or anything like that in the CFL West, Not at least not this year. Challenge for a playoff spot. That's what fans really expect to see from the Rough Riders and not have a meaningless October where uh, you all know where that was going with the, with the Rough Riders last season because they were so far behind. But I think that would be reasonable expectation is, you know, that, that seven, eight, nine win, almost a 500 team, I think would make people and appease people enough uh, that there won't be a calling for Chris Jones head at the end of this year. Where do you see, where do you see the most improvement uh, with this team? Uh, I, I think you, you look at this team from last year and overall it's on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, their defense out of the gate last season was atrocious. Uh, They're allowing, 100-yard games after 100-yard games with some players. And then the back half of last season, you started to see the defense look a little more like a Chris Jones defense. And adding Willie Jefferson late last season, that's carried over uh, from all all reports. He's had an excellent camp, and the mock game on Saturday was almost unblockable at times. So he's someone to look for uh, this season in in Saskatchewan. Enoch Mwamba adds that Canadian national depth and and, and as I think about it, maybe that that's the overall is the Canadian, the national depth for Chris Jones and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Last year they got fined because they didn't have enough on the field. They were constantly scrambling for Canadians to play, whereas this year I, I think he's built up enough depth that that's not as big a concern as it was in 2016. You know, the, the one thing, I, I love some of the improvements that the Riders have made personnel-wise. Look, and you could talk about some of the off-field antics and some of the issues with Deron Carter, but when you talk about pure talent, he's one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, Willie Jefferson, you talk about them from a pass rush standpoint. I mean, Chad Owens, uh, veteran abilities as a former MOP, and, and if this guy can, can bring back any of that magic that he had shown, even uh, from his time in Hamilton most recently before he got hurt, you know, you got an, you've got a significant upgrade there, and you've still got a lot of other talented receivers on that uh, Regina squad. Uh, not only that, you, you bring in the best offensive lineman in the league in 2016. You bring in Derek Dennis. I mean, there's a lot of personnel upgrades, but I, I think the one issue when I look at Saskatchewan this year, and you talk about the depth and, and the quality in the West with some of these other heavyweights from Calgary and Edmonton and BC and Winnipeg, you know, the one issue I think that Saskatchewan's going to run into is just continuity from the outset and familiarity. I think that's the one issue I think they're going to run into. They may have a really talented team on paper, but 
you see it so many times where it takes teams time to gel, especially when guys haven't played with each other. And you're bringing in a lot of new guys. And I think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment phase, just like I think you'll probably see with the defending Grey Cup champions in Ottawa, where the Red Blacks had a huge personnel shift, uh, you know, losing some of those guys to free agency, bringing new guys in. They're still a talented team. I just think, you know, in some of those summer months, I think are probably going to be take some time to for everybody to get acclimated with one another. And I think we'll see that here in Saskatchewan. Do you agree or not? That's another problem with this team going in. Last year, there was way more turnover than there was this year. It's a little, it's a lot more stable, and there was more addition with the talent, as you mentioned, Deron Carter and Chad Owens, and and those type of players. And the defensive secondary, that's going to be interesting to watch how they go up against. You know, the top quarterbacks and top receivers early because you lose Otha Foster, who's an all-star caliber Sam linebacker in the league. And, um, of course, Justin Cox, uh, criminal side of things, you take him off the roster. So there's some scrambling going on with the secondary in, in Saskatchewan and who's going to cover these receivers. And that that's in flux. And then down the middle in the defensive tackle spot, that's uh, a lot of turnover there too. How are they up the middle? on the offensive line and on the defensive side of things. And even at safety, some turnover there with uh, Mark Olivier Griette's retirement, who looked like he was going to be a starting safety. So there, there's different spots that Chris Jones still can't be 100% confident on, uh, but he hopes he can get at least a better pass rush from Willie Jefferson and, and Jonathan Newsom off the other side to uh, maybe help out on the defensive side and the defensive secondary side of things. Jamie, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I want to change gears here for a moment now. And uh, I know you've got game. And when I'm talking game, I'm talking TSN CFL Fantasy, which is now live. It's a it's a new uh, joint effort by both the Canadian Football League and TSN. Maybe you can share, us, uh, share with us a, a few more details as uh, what we can expect as fans for this upcoming year. Well, it's, it's daily fantasy. And that's uh, every week you put a new team together, you have that $40,000 budget, and each player has a price, and uh, I love fantasy football. I think it engages the fan base even more into the games, and, and even if not your team. You know, you're a fan of the, the Rough Riders of the Calgary Stampeders, and all of a sudden you're watching the Edmonton-BC game because yeah, you have one of the Eskimos. You have a Darius Bowman to get you points or something like that. I think it's uh, it's phenomenal. It's worked well in all these other leagues with fantasy sports and the, the CFL picking it up another notch. Now it's on CFL.ca as well as uh, TSN uh, in conjunction. And uh, it's it's fun to break down the numbers already on who costs what and who could be a bargain early in the season. And I look at Naaman Roosevelt for the Rough Riders at uh, $5,700, and he should be a, a receiver who's top-end type receivers at uh, eight or 9000 I think Naaman Roosevelt's one of those guys. And it'll be interesting all season long because the – Price will change amongst different players. If they're having great years, that price will rise up. And uh, I think a lot of CFL fans will love it. You know, I was already looking for some bargains out there and trying to assemble just kind of a mock, mock team as we get closer and closer to week one. Brad Sinopoli, 2500 bucks. I thought that was a steal of a deal from the defending Grey Cup champions who, you know, offers some familiarity for a guy like Trevor Harris after losing guys like Chris Williams and, Losing a guy like Ernest Jackson, I think he could certainly bode well. And the price is right. Not to tell everybody else to go sign up on that, but um, there's value. Every And you know who likes value, Jamie? 
everybody. <laughs> Especially if you're an actual general manager trying to find a bargain for your uh, lineup with the salary cap in the CFL, but uh, there, there's, uh, there's a ton of different. Like Deron Carter's forty four hundred bucks, yeah. even cheaper than Dave and Roosevelt. You see the connection. He's had some chemistry with Kevin Glenn already in his career. Yep. That's going to pay off for some people early in the season because that price is only going to go up with uh, Deron Carter. So. It's going to be fun. You pick uh, two running backs, two receivers, a flex spot, a quarterback, and a defense, and there you got got your roster, and uh, you can match up, set up your own leagues with the, your buddies, and uh, put some side bets on it or something like that, and have a fantastic season watching CFL football and playing along with some CFL fantasy. Well, listen, everybody, TSN CFL Fantasy is now live. It's a fun, free new game available to every fan who wants to run his or her own CFL team and compete to win a grand prize trip for two to Ottawa for the 105th Grey Cup presented by Shaw. Fans can sign up today at cflfantasy.tsn.ca, and then you can simply build your own roster each and every week of the CFL on TSN season starting Thursday, June 22nd. You can even compete with yours truly, Sanchez, Jamie. Uh, we'll all be making picks each and every week, so head over to the featured section of the group, uh, and you can find us in the Waggle group, and we look forward to beating you. That's right, dominating you all season long. Maybe not you, Jamie. I mean, you're 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 a gamer. You got you got game here. Well, we'll we'll see. I I sat, I don't know if my bosses should hear this, but I probably spend more time breaking down CFL fantasy and at times than you know other stuff I should be doing. Never let work get in the way of a good time, my friend. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> doing do. this. No, never do. Hey, thanks for doing this, and uh, great to finally catch up. And let's do it again later on this season. All right? Yeah, right on. Jamie Nye, the host of the Green Zone from 980 CJME, joining us right here on The Wagon.